Well, hello everyone and good morning and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to allow people to get settled here and uh, get coffee or whatever they need and we're going to play music from Adrian Gauss, All Hail King Jesus, He Reigns Forever. Thanks so much for being here today. Ronnie, good morning. Thank you so much for being here. My lovely bride is online. Good morning. <laughs> Mr. Gaines, Delia, good morning. Glad you made it back safely. Everything's great. Brother Roscoe, good morning. Just so you know, uh, Dad, uh, Kevin is heading to the airport right now. <laughs> Kevin and Penny. All right, Ronnie, best to you on that. Conserve your energy. Thank you for joining us today. Morning. Temperature outside is a brisk 17 degrees with a wind chill factor of about four. <laughs> that means it's very good to be here. Uh, yeah. So it's supposed to warm up to above freezing, but I'm not, I'm not going to hold my breath on that. I'm going to wait and see if that happens. Anitra, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Jackie, good morning. Jackie, good morning. <laughs> From the Department of Mandatory, cup of coffee. Thanks for being here. That's right. Have to have your priorities in order in the morning. Coffee is one of them. <laughs> Appreciate you being here. He is worthy of our praise. Amen. <laughs> and good morning. <laughs> Amen. Oh, yeah. All right, listen, listen. I know I got some 
still continuing our study in the book of Acts, so looking into a little bit deeper into Acts here. Appreciate you being here. Sister Pearl, Brother Walter, good morning. Good morning. Appreciate you being here. You know, I realized I could have worn my red sweater, but it would have been too hot. This is a very thick sweater. So I would have worn it and I would have been matching everybody in here, but I would have been, I'd have been wiped out up here. So pass out from all the heat exhaustion. Thank you for being here so much. Appreciate it. Ooh, I don't have a voice like that. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, thank you. Amen, amen. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Take it through it again. <laughs> okay. Good morning to you all. Thank you so much. All right. Amen. All right. That was all. Hail King Jesus. He reigns forever. By revised by Adrian Gauss, G-A-U-S-E if you're looking for the spelling of his name. But that is our music for this morning. We thank uh, the uh, praise team for providing music for us because sometimes we don't know what to play. <laughs> and we play what makes perfect sense uh, for the moment. Um, we'll go ahead and do some announcements before we get into our Sunday School lesson. Um, first of all, today's message 
Uh, I will be presenting today's message uh, online and also here in church. Uh, the title of the message is To Sit Still and Rest. And that message um, will be available here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship timeline at about 1030. And that's when it will go live here on the timeline for those of you who are not coming to church or who are out of town. But you're welcome to stay online for us here at about 1030. We'll, uh, that will be after we're concluding Sunday school. And you can look at the message online. Um, for those of you who... Uh, are coming to church. We'll see you later on, but uh, we also have our church service online as well, too. I think we had some technical difficulties last week with um, sound overall. Um, we're, we have some new equipment, and we're making sure that everything is, on, is available online. But even if there is a technical difficulty online, we're going to make sure that you have a way of hearing all of the messages we have, So, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, First of all, please remember your tithe and offerings. I learned the other day that saying tithes is incorrect. Just say tithe and offering. Um, and that is something that you pray about, uh, the aspect of worship uh, through giving. If you are mailing your tithe or offering to our church, you would do so to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio. That's 44320, the zip code. Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate your consideration to your giving and praying for it and praying about it. Always important to consider and remember that you don't give to the church before you take care of your own financial responsibilities. We don't ask anyone to do anything like that. It's something you pray about and something you give consideration to. And that's what's most important. Uh, and you do so without... Uh, feeling any regret or any feeling like uh, you're stressed or strained into doing something. Good morning, Lisa. How you doing? And uh, thanks for joining us online today. And I mentioned about our, our live broadcast here on Facebook. Uh, so far, that has been the most effective way for us to broadcast our church service. We know that other churches have done YouTube, but we do have a YouTube channel, and I do want to encourage you to uh, spread the word that we do have uh, pre-recorded messages available online. Our 15-minute devotionals are online on our YouTube channel. Akron Alliance Fellowship is the name of our channel. And I'm mentioning it because I, I don't know how many people are actually using YouTube here in this room. But if you're a YouTube user, please like and subscribe to our channel so you'll get re word on our notifications. But there's always new content online every Sunday and every Wednesday. So just so you're aware of that. And, and I'm mentioning it because uh, the last few, uh, we haven't had a lot of people viewing. <laughs> so I think people are busy and maybe forget or something like that. But we want to make sure that people are aware that we do have the content also on our YouTube channel as well, too. And we appreciate you giving it your consideration and spreading the word and letting other people know. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to the content so you'll get notifications every time there's a new posting on the channel. Okay. With that in mind, we are now going to move into our Sunday School lesson. Our Sunday School lesson is continuing in the book of Acts. We are in chapter 3, and we're going to cover verses 1 through 10. We're only covering little pieces, parts, because, um, uh, of course, chapter 3 is more than one, 10 verses, but we want to cover certain sections of the passage that uh, provide interesting information for us to just go over and look at specifically. 
in this section, we're going to be talking uh, and looking at Peter healing the crippled beggar. And when we say Peter healing the crippled beggar, we really mean that the Lord is doing the healing. Um, but we'll get into that in more detail. But I want to make sure and emphasize that um, we physically don't have the power to heal anybody uh, on our own. We, we don't have that ability. And in fact, the last ones to really have the ability were the apostles. Uh, they were the ones that had the ability that God gave them to provide this healing. So this is going to conflict with a lot of others who uh, have been to churches and you've seen people up front claim to have this power of healing uh, individuals, but I'm only going by what Scripture says. And um, not to not to belabor the point, but the greatest enemy that we have as human beings or mankind is ego. <laughs> ego. Um, are we sometimes get really full of ourselves, thinking that we can do certain things, and we find ways to get attention uh, when it comes to? Uh, being attractive to others as far as getting in, people involved with their ministries. We, we don't do that here, and we won't, we're not going to. Um, uh, I don't have any kind of ego, I'm, and I'm saying that with all due respect. I say that because I, I have to humble myself every time I prepare for these messages because I just know that I'm not a perfect person. So I know that I better make sure that I'm doing the best I can to be humble as I approach uh, any content like this to go out, not just even here in church, but online, because everybody can hear it. Everybody knows all about it. Um, but we want to stay humble. In fact, that brings to mind um, something I didn't plan about talking about, but I saw a post uh, online. Some of you in in the Cleveland area may know Holly Strano. Who's Holly Strano is a woman who was um, she had a really bad day in November last year. Uh, where she was, um, uh, she blew a, a point two, I believe, and uh, got a DUI. And she has been basically in recovery, and she has been uh, trying to get her life back together and has made a couple of posts on Instagram and happened to notice that uh, a lot of a lot of the posts were people were very supportive. And there, there was one post that was made about... Um, on her on her feed, I'm sure uh, she might have seen it. I don't know if she did or not, but something to the effect that, well, we're all safer when you're not driving right now, so thanks for letting us know when you're not on the road and stuff like that. Something to that effect. Something very very nasty. Um, understand something. I'm not a I'm not the biggest fan of social media because social media brings out the worst in a lot of people because you can. Uh, whether you're using a fake name or not a real name or not, uh, people try to hide behind that and say nasty things. And that's very ego-driven. And the one thing that we don't want to ever do is do anything for ego. We do everything that we do and we, everything we want to do and everything we want to emphasize, we do it for Jesus. We're representing Jesus Christ. And at the end of the day, Somebody might say something that you may, that may disagree with what you're saying or doing, but that doesn't mean you change what you do. You just stay focused on Jesus, and you don't respond in kind to someone who's nasty. And I think that at the end of the day, it's just a reminder, and it was a reminder that was mentioned even this morning on TV. Uh, the world is not going to be a place where you're going to find a lot of very wholesome things. It's just not. You have to be the representative of Jesus Christ in this world, and that's the way we need to be. And we're going to kind of even see some examples of that when we look at 
even the pastors today, doing representing Jesus Christ is the most important thing we can do. Um, the world's going to give you a lot of gas, uh, frankly, but that shouldn't matter to you. You just do what you need to do to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever way possible. And so we're going to get into the passage, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Thank you for allowing me to go through a brief commentary. And we appreciate you uh, paying attention to our YouTube channel, too, because we have videos and podcasts on that channel. It just, they just come through automatically. Okay. Let's go ahead and get into the passage, but let's do so first by recognizing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's get into it with a word of prayer. Father, we are thankful to be here this morning, and we thank you, Lord, for your presence. We ask that you now quiet us to the degree that we can hear you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we're reminded sometimes that it's good to just settle and sit before you and let you speak. Uh, It's always busy. It's always hectic at times, the way we live our lives. But Lord, we need this time, though, to learn more about who you are and learn from you. May we do so right now and take this time that we have. Bless us, O Lord, and keep us, and we give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Acts chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 10 today. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And this is going to be a section that we're going to look at the aspect of healing and look at the response of the, the beggar who is involved here. And it's going to be, essentially this is going to be, just so you know, the first miracle of the new church. That's what we're going to be witnessing here. And it's going to be leading up to Peter's second sermon, which we're going to pick up with next week, because that's where it will start, uh, starting in the area of verse 11. But let's focus on this crippled beggar right now, who was healed. Let's read verses 1 through 10. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. Verse 6, But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Verse 7, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Amen. I think if we saw that, we'd be astounded too. Uh, We're talking about something that we have to remind everyone. Uh, This was Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. 
remember, this is very similar to the healing that Jesus did uh, when he was around with the, with the man who was lame, and he was lame from birth, and everybody knew who he was. And we see how the Lord loves to take advantage of these captive audiences. These are all people who are going to the temple to pray at, uh, in the afternoon prayer time. And just so you know, to be, be clear, go back to, to verse 1 once again. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a 3 o'clock prayer service. Most of the modern translations say 3 o'clock. And the reason why they're referring to 3 o'clock is because the Jews observe three times of prayer during the day. At 9 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and at evening or sunset. And we know that there are other uh, faiths that practice this same type of prayer time. They'll pray uh, th three different times in the day. But here specifically, these are, these are all Jewish these are all Jewish believers. We're still not really talking about Gentiles in this church. We're still talking about Jewish believers. And their practice of prayer was nine in the morning, three in the afternoon, and in the evening around sunset. So the devout Jews and later the Gentiles would use this time to pray. And, of course, this is what, they, this was what their practice was. And we have to be reminded, of course, too, you know, we typically don't have that practice. Um, typically, we're pretty busy during the day. I mean, there have been opportunities for people to, if they want to stop what they're doing and take time to pray, you can do that. You can pray any time of the day. And we remind everybody that you can pray without ceasing all day long. It doesn't really matter. But this was a practice that they had. This was something that they did. And Peter and John were going to the temple uh, to participate in the prayer time at that prayer service. This is the church in operation. So, let's go to verse 2. As they approached the temple, a man, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going to the temple. So, you know, why is there, why is Luke even mentioning about the beautiful gate? Well, it's just a place of reference where most of the people went in to the temple. It was a, an entrance that people passed through on their way to go and do what? Worship and pray. Uh, it's just a mention that's being given here. And apparently, um, from what I understand, and I, I did not know this, I kind of learned this just from studying it a little bit more, but... Apparently, it was a regular practice for beggars to put themselves outside the temple gate because Jews were kind of expected to help these beggars along and give money to them to help them. Now, let's face it, if you've been lame from birth, you can't do anything. You can't work. You're not able to do anything. And so they relied upon, frankly, the gifts of others. Um, so basically, the beggar was putting himself in a position where he would have maximized the most traffic coming into the temple. I have, to, I have to be very careful when I look at something like this because I recognize that this is a different time that we're referring to. And I think that everybody here has seen people on the street who are begging for money and looking for something. And I've been in that situation too, and I've seen that in downtown Cleveland when you're walking from your car going to work. And understand something. Um, I want you to make sure that you're always praying and using discernment about what you're doing when you're giving to somebody. Um, 
because we're typically not always dealing with people who are lame or something like that. We're, we're, dealing, not, we're not dealing with people who are necessarily uh, crippled. Um, I know for a fact that a lot of people who beg for money are begging not for necessarily the fact that they are hungry or they need something. Um, we know that many people who beg for money are begging because they would much rather uh, go to the, uh, the five and dime or the liquor store and buy a bottle and do something like that. And so we kind of leave that up to the individual to pray with discernment about giving to someone. I'm not saying that everybody who's giving money or wanting money is asking for um, something that's bad. They may be legitimately looking for something. So pray for discernment on that. But at this particular time, it was the practice of the Jews to make sure that the ones who were less fortunate were being taken care of in some way. So they would give a little bit of money to the beggar. And let's look at verse 3. Uh, when, Pete, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. That's the beggar. And Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, of course, because that's what he's there for. He's there for money. Uh, there's been no consideration about him getting anything other than that. He's just looking for the handout. And that's the expectation of everybody who's begging money that looks at you. If you look like you've got some money, they're going to come and ask you for some money. may even follow you for a little bit, too, so be careful. So just keep that in mind, too. And the beggar has an expectancy here. He's looking for money. Verse 6, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. And basically, Peter is making sure that uh, this beggar has eye contact with him. That's why he's saying, look at us. Look very closely. Pay attention. Um, you ever notice how some people don't have eye contact with you when you communicate with them? And sometimes they do that because they don't want to make eye contact with you. A beggar um, sometimes may not want to make eye contact with you. They just have an expectancy. Well, you'll give them money and that'll be the end of that. And we won't have to lock eyes or, or make any kind of extra communication with that individual. And a lot of that is a, a psychology thing, in all honesty. People with low self-esteem usually don't make eye contact. They don't esteem themselves very well and they just won't make the eye contact. They, want your, they still want you to give something to them but they won't make eye contact with you. And I mention that only because I think that it's important for us to understand, even when we're communicating with somebody, that we're making eye contact with them. I, I know that there are people who um, maybe don't pay attention to that as much as they probably should. The last thing you want to be doing when you're talking to somebody is looking at your cell phone while you're communicating with them. Because it's rude. You make eye contact with people if you want to really make sure that your communication is getting across in an effective way. And Peter is basically saying to the lame man, look at us. I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Get up and walk. So the man was asking for money, but Peter is going to give him something much better. Something that he's never been able to do the use of his legs and you know sometimes when we pray we pray sometimes to just get through a situation but sometimes God gives us something even much greater than that because he knows exactly what we need 
And sometimes he gives it to us when we're prepared to accept it. Which is something we need to recognize here too. Now this lame man who has been lame since birth was never given anything up until this point. But now there's something that's going to be taking place here. We have a testimony in the making. Amen? Because God in his wonderful wisdom, he is all about captive audiences. It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense unless God was trying to make an impression only on the lame man for them to be off in a corner someplace or outside the city or someplace where other people couldn't see what was going on. He would heal this lame beggar. The beggar would appreciate it, but now we see something where, remember, God is a purposeful God. He is doing this for a reason and a purpose at this time, at this place, at this moment, early in the history of the church, where he wants people to see the power of Jesus Christ is being demonstrated through two of the apostles, Peter and John, two accepted leaders of the church. Everybody knows who Peter and John are. And they have gotten very positive attention and they're going to make sure that to maximize that now here as we look at this. Don't be surprised if God gives you what you need when you're praying. And the only way you can really do that is you're praying without ceasing. Remember we used to just said this all the entire day? Pray without ceasing. Pray continually. You know, all I was doing for the past three weeks is praying for peace and praying for, praying for God's grace. Not paying for it, pardon me. Praying for God's grace. And that's, and he delivered that. He gave it to me. It only can come from him. And so I'm very thankful for that. But we need to make sure that we're praying with expectancy that God's going to answer our prayers. Praying with expectancy. I didn't expect to use that word today, but that's exactly what we need to do in our prayers. Now, and there's no mention here about this lame man being a prayerful man. We don't have any record of that. We don't know anything about it. But we will see the result here. Verse 7, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Now, who is the author of the book of Acts? It's Luke. And what was Luke's profession? Luke was a doctor, a physician. So you have a really special account where Luke is writing to you and giving you information to have you understand exactly what took place. A lame man with weak limbs cannot stand. He has to be carried to and fro. He has to be moved from place to place. And, and basically, I guess he had an arrangement. There were people who were going to pick him up and bring him every day over to the temple at that specific time to be ready to receive whatever they gave to him. But he didn't do it on his own. His expectation was that someone would take him, move him there and all that. But we need to understand that Peter, in doing this healing, did not do it on his own accord. He did it because he was given the power to heal by Jesus Christ. He was given the power to heal. And understand that that power, when John the Baptist was asking in prison about 
is this supposed to be, was this the Messiah that I was actually talking about when he was being, he had doubts about what was going on because he couldn't understand why he was in prison, why he was being incarcerated. And Jesus sent the word back. The lame are being healed, the blind can see. And people are paying attention now to what is the truth. He wanted to reassure John the Baptist, yes, these things are being physically seen. The lame are being healed. The blind can see. Those who couldn't see before can now see. Well, it just doesn't happen randomly. It happened because Jesus was the one doing the healing. And Jesus gave the apostles, the twelve, the ability to heal and have the power to heal as a demonstration of his power through the Holy Spirit after he left. So it's not on any other one's other authority. What does he say? Back in verse, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. So these lame limbs are now instantly healed and strengthened. He can support himself. He can stand up. And not only can he support himself, look at verse 8. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then when he realized he could walk, he started leaping. He started jumping. He was giving praise to God. That's the key element that we need to see here. Now he was giving praise to God because he recognized the healing power through Jesus Christ. And then he went into the temple with them because, hey, I just got healed. I've been lame all my life. I haven't been able to do anything, but now I can stand and move and walk and jump. Understand something. Other people could see this too. Other people who were in the temple, other people who were going to pray could see the same thing. The apostles were doing this healing through the power of the Holy Spirit. It was not their own power. It was the power that was being witnessed here. And when we go to get to next week, we're going to, Peter's going to address this here. It's like, I didn't heal him. It wasn't my healing power. It was Jesus Christ that did it. And he makes that very clear. It's like, why are you so surprised? Do you think I did this? I didn't do this. Jesus did this. And this is a big deal for us to see. Because everybody's going to see all of this. I want you to turn to Isaiah 35. You have to understand something. When we're looking at something like this, those who are familiar with the Scripture, those who are going to pray, all these devout Jews who are going into the temple to pray, they're recounting something that took place that was mentioned in Scripture. Isaiah 35. Now, let's go down to... Well, let's start with verse 1, because I'm going to work my way down to verse 6. And you have to understand that there's an expectation that when the people see certain things, they believe that, well, this is, the Lord is about to come. The Lord is coming. Something is happening. That's very, very important. And these Jews were actually caught up in that. But in Isaiah 35, uh, of course, Isaiah is being uh, giving a prophetic message. Now, he's giving a prophetic message ultimately about the return of Jesus. But let's look at what it says here. Verse 1 
Um, follow along, New Living Translation. Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Look at the imagery here and think about what this, what this represents, what this sounds like. Verse 2, yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. We're talking about the return of Jesus. And look at the familiar landmarks here. The mountains of Lebanon, Mount Carmel, plains of Sharon. Verse 3, with this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Look at this, everybody. Strengthen those who have tired hands, encourage those who have weak knees. Those are people who might be fearful. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. Look at verse 6. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Those uh, springs will gush forth in the wilderness and streams will water the wasteland. What are we talking about here? They're looking at the return of their, their Lord. They're looking at the return after everything is done. But you understand something. These Jews, that's all they have to hang their hats on when it comes to what the word says. They're witnessing something. They're witnessing a beggar that's not just walking, but leaping for joy. Perhaps some of them in that crowd are thinking of what has been read here in Isaiah 35, verse 6. They're looking at the return of the Lord and wondering what is taking place. But remember, Jews don't recognize Jesus. As you read in Scripture over and over again, especially in the New Testament, you know, Peter makes the comment, Paul makes the comment, we keep going to the Jews over and over again about this Jesus, but they reject him. So this is the ongoing struggle that we even see today. The Israelites, the Jews, they don't recognize who Jesus is. But that's exactly when Isaiah is writing about this. He's referring to not just the return of God, but the return of Jesus himself. The literal feet on the ground return of Jesus Christ. Where everything will be made right. The wilderness becomes a fruitful plain. The people who can't see will be able to see again. The people who can't hear will be able to hear again. We're talking about the return of Jesus and that's what's taking place here. And perhaps these Israelites are looking at this and saying, hold on a second. We don't have this stuff happen every day like this. Since when does a man who's born uh, lame get up and start walking and not just walking, but jumping around, running, rejoicing, giving praise to God? Something like this you don't see every day. And yet they recognized that this was a miraculous healing. This is the first miracle of the new church. So I want to mention that. This is the first miracle of the new church. And that's what we're seeing here. And we have to remind everybody, God loves captive audiences. Every Israelite who went up to the temple marveled at this. They saw what was going on. They knew who this lame man was. They passed by him every day. They knew who he was. They knew that he had not done anything for years because he couldn't. 
we don't know how old he was. We assume he's an adult. Adult age. He had to be picked up and carried. But here he was giving praise to God openly because he could do something now that he never was able to do before on his own. They recognize this man. Verse 9. Back to Acts chapter 3, verse 9. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. Praising God. And when they realized that he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often, remember, seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They recognized him. They recognized who he was. And you know, when you read Scripture, um, J. Vernon McGee makes a great point here. Sometimes we go so fast, we don't recognize and see what God is doing. We don't pay attention. We have to go and slow ourselves down and recognize the significance of this. May we never ever take for granted how the power of God works in our life. We have a sovereign God that we serve who lives in the eternal present. And we should be thankful to God for His very presence. Even if we've never experienced a miracle in our entire lives, we should be thankful for His very presence. The miracles are there to show people something. The miracles are there to give representation to the ability of our Heavenly Father that we serve. They give representation to who Jesus Christ is. The love of Christ comes through when we see the healing power. And so we need to recognize that it's not through our own authority. We recognize that Jesus Christ, Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, coming King. He's the healer, not us. Now, do, does God use people and has he used people to provide healing to others? Of course he has. What does a doctor do? A doctor has the ability, has the intelligence, has the uh, emotional quotient and the ability, the intelligence quotient to provide the remedies towards a person getting healing. Our wonderful people, when there's people in a hospital, what are the first thing we wind up doing? Going to physical therapy. Physical therapy is a healing process. It's not something to be taken lightly. He uses people. Sure he does. But it comes from the Lord. But this specific power that Peter had was power that God gave him through the touching of this lame man's hand to get up and immediately his limbs were strengthened. We don't have that capability. Only God has that. And I love how Scripture says when they realized that he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. That's a real talking point, isn't it? You know, that's more than just water cooler talk. That's talk that spreads all over the place. They're seeing something they didn't expect to see that day. They were used to the routine. The lame beggar was going to be at the gate looking for a handout. And 
because this is a new church, brand new really, the practice of prayer, they were practicing that every day. There was a huge audience of people that were able to see this. Now, what I'll share with you too, we, we're just as a spoiler alert, about 5,000 after Peter's sermon following this accepted Jesus as Lord. So we see another transformation taking place. And I guess my, my question or comment here for all of us when we look at this information, we're talking about a very, very powerful representation of Jesus Christ at this very moment in time. What about our church? What about our churches today? Do we... Our churches today... I'm not going to speak about all the churches, but a lot of our mega churches, they have a lot of wealth within those churches. But are, are our churches that powerful today? Anywhere near as powerful as what was taking place here? I think we need to pray about... It kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Our church lacks power today because our focus usually isn't on Christ. It might be on something different. It might be on buildings. It might be on, you know, how we're doing certain things. It might be on making sure that we have the ability to go from place to place. But I got to tell you something. It's about being humble about it. If God is giving the church the ability to go and do things, and he only told the disciples to go out there, just take a, your cloak, take a cane, and move about, you know, maybe we're going beyond being simplified with this whole process. When we look at this church that we're looking at right now, what were these people doing that was really most important right now as they learned about Jesus? They were praying. Praying. Prayer is so important today. Communicating with your Father communicating with Him. And our churches are not as powerful today because a lot of churches just aren't praying the way they should be. So that's just a commentary. I think we can look at our church today, our organized church. We have a lot of emphasis on denominations and you know, even the communication about diversifying in our churches. That's fine but we in the body of Christ, we're already diversified. If we just reach out to our brothers and sisters and pray with them, that's the diversification of the body that we want. And that's what we need to pay attention to. And the Jews are going to learn this. Peter's going to learn this. Peter's going to get a hard lesson later on about what he needs to do to make sure that he is not shunning one group for another group. Paul has to be the one to kind of straighten Peter out on this. And I'm referring to what? Jews and Gentiles. Because God saved everyone, not just one group of people. He went to the cross for all of us. 
brothers and sisters in Christ recognize that. Of all races, we know that. Our church can be much more powerful when we recognize the basics. The basics are that Jesus wants everyone to know that He is the Lord and Savior and that we all have the ability and we have the power of prayer on our side to allow the Lord to work. Always remember to keep praying and keep praying even for our church that God brings people into our church with a heart for God. If He is bringing people into our church with a heart for God, what's going to stop this church? The devil himself won't stop this church. If everyone is focusing on that, that's a powerful church. And having the ability to reach other people for Jesus is the most amazing, wonderful thing we can do for our Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. And we thank you for reminding us of how you indeed give us the ability, if we just trust and believe in you, to do great things and mighty things. And Lord, we want to serve you in the best way we know how. But Lord, as we go, just teach us because we need reminders that it's not in our strength that we do anything. It's in your strength. It's in your ability. We thank you, Lord, for how you protect us and keep us as we move. And we thank you, Lord, for how you indeed give us the ability to speak the truth about who you are to others. If we just rely upon you, just lean on the Spirit, rely upon what you have to say. We thank you, Lord, for the testimonies that come as we trust and believe in you. Bless us, Lord, and keep us now as we move forward in this study in the book of Acts. Show us, Lord, what you want us to know and hear. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We appreciate you joining me today for this edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, Akron, Ohio. Stay tuned online in about 10 minutes for today's message. Sit still and rest. We appreciate you being here and join us online later on about 11 o'clock for our live service for those of you who are online and not coming to church. But if you're here in Akron, we welcome you to come to church today. Amen. Bundle up and come on out. Take care of yourselves. God bless you. We'll see you around the corner. See you next time.